All right, welcome everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today, uh, this roundtable discussion. Um, I actually have some background in youth work back in the day, worked in Chinatown before, and so having you four from the Youth Commission join me today, it'd be very interesting to hear your thoughts, your concerns, and different things about what you guys are talking about at the Youth Commission, and also you personally from your generation, what are your concerns and thoughts. Um, so let's just get right into it. Can we uh, just start with introductions and start with your name, uh, grade, school, and, and what, what led you to come uh, become into the Youth Commission? You could start with Emily. Yeah, so um, my name is Emily. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a senior at Lick Wormerding High School in San Francisco. Um, and I joined the Youth Commission because growing up, I really relied on public transportation and also a lot of community organizations such as Breakthrough San Francisco. Um, and through these organizations, they introduced me to a lot of like community organizations community organizing movements that were happening. Um, and that's when I learned of the Youth Commission because my friend was also on it at the time. And I was really interested in it because I saw that I benefited from a lot of public services in San Francisco. Um, and I really wanted to ensure that all youth in San Francisco could have opportunities to benefit from these services as well and that these services would be available to everyone. Um, so that's when I just applied to the Youth Commission and um, I joined and that's where I got to learn so much about like how local government works and how I could contribute my voice to make uh, better opportunities for all youth in San Francisco. Nice. How long have you been on the Youth Commission? I joined in 2021, and this is my second term. Okay. Yeah. Good. And normally the Youth Commission, what's the age range? Um, youth ages 12 to 23 can sit on the oh, Youth Commission. Wow. So, yeah. So you could actually be range. out of high school and still be on the Youth Commission. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. We have some college students, and um, we used to have middle school students sit on the Youth Commission, wow. too. But, yeah, now they're a freshman in high school. So Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Ewan, how about yourself? Yeah, I'm Ewan. Um, I am a senior at San Francisco Waldorf High School. I joined the Youth Commission. Um, I had been interested in San Francisco politics uh, kind of beginning in freshman year of high school. I volunteered on a local political campaign and the district attorney's election and really just kind of got, got into that process. And um, from there, did more campaigning and also got into youth advocacy and activism in the city. Uh, and, and from there, I sort of had always been advocating to City Hall on certain issues. And I wanted to sort of be on the flip side and see what I could do within City Hall um, for young people and be a voice for young people. And the Youth Commission was sort of the perfect opportunity for that, so that's why I decided to um, to apply, and thankfully I was appointed. Great. And how how many years have you been on? Uh, this is my second term as well. So beginning in what September of twenty twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So every term is just one year. Yeah. I mean that's because people age out so quickly, and um, like you know people go away for college. So we try right. to make it sort of like the school year, roughly. Okay. Nice. Thank you. Hayden, how about yourself? Hi, I'm Hayden. Um, I use he, him pronouns, and I'm a junior this year at uh, Lowell High School. Um, this is my first term on the commission, but I guess what kind of uh, drew me to it is, um, like Emily, I, I don't know, I've always been super fascinated by like public transportation. Like Since I was two years old, um, I had a babysitter, and um, her eyesight, she couldn't get a driver's license, um, so we, we would take the bus everywhere. And I, I, it was just like very fascinating to like, see all the people, all the places I could go like around the city. And just kind of as I got older, I would like explore more and more. But I, I realized that, you know, like it's, it's not as simple as just like, oh, you know, buses driving around. And like, you know, I can be involved in, you know, 
getting more buses out there, having more places to go to. And like, I think especially when um, the pandemic happened and all of the government meetings moved online, it became a lot more accessible for me. So I was able to like kind of like go and like make public comments and like see all the presentations, see all of the people on commissions and stuff. And I also had several friends who had been on the youth commission in the past. So I just saw it as a really like great opportunity for me to um, advocate for you know young people and because I feel like we have a lot of needs and sometimes it's not always represented. Great, thank you. Jocelyn. Hi, I'm Yoselin Jocelyn. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a senior at the Urban School of San Francisco. This is my first term in the Youth Commission. And kind of similar to what everyone has said, I was, I've always been very interested in like politics and public policy, how le legislation is made. So I actually spoke to someone who worked for my supervisor, Supervisor Ronan, his name was Paul. He doesn't work with her anymore, <laughs> moved to LA. But he really like, I was just really fascinated with like what he gets to do in his job, like what issues he gets to work on, the people he gets to speak. And he introduced me to the Youth Commission and said like, this is a great opportunity to like test out what you're interested in and like learn about local government. And so I applied, I got in, I'm very happy. It's really uh, cool. Nice. So how many total in the Youth Commission and like, is it like one per district or something yes. like that? So it's one per district and I think it's five or six from the mayor. Yeah, so every district, so there's 11 supervisorial ones and then there's six from the mayor's office. Yes. Five of which are like reserved specifically for minority communities to have representation. Mm. And then one is her appointee. So we have 17 total. Wow, 17. It's yeah. great. It's, I mean, it's interesting. We Youth is such an intersectional issue. We're one of the bigger commissions in the city. But um, because youth is like everyone at some point in their life, mm -hmm. right? Every community has youth. Um, it's important to have enough seats to have voices of those different communities and their different needs on the Youth Commission. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's get into the nitty gritty of it. Mm -hmm. I'm really, really interested to hear some of the concerns that either the Youth Commission is talking about right now or even you yourselves personally, what concerns are you trying to like advocate for and stuff like that? Who, who would like to start? I guess I can start. Sure. Um, so before joining the Youth Commission, I was, I'm still very involved in like housing and like mass incarceration, criminal justice system. And so coming into the Youth Commission, I knew these were like topics that I wanted to like discuss and bring up. And so I'm also like in individual committees. And so two of the main topics we're talking about right now is youth incarceration and substance abuse, but also gun violence and um, yeah. Those are the main issues that we're talking about. So for youth incarceration, like what are some of the topics? Is it more about like the resources putting or not putting into it or is it yeah. like? So one of the main things right now is talking about Juvenile Justice Center. Um, I forget which street it's on. I know it's like by- I think it's like Woodside and Portola. Yeah. Laguna Honda. Laguna Honda. Yeah. I know um, it was supposed to be closed last year, but it has not because there's a lot of kind of uncertainty about like what's supposed to happen. I recently spoke to Chief Miller, who kind of is the probation officer at the center. Um, so kind of discussing that, like ways that we can support them to get that closed and have more equitable resources for the youth who are currently inside still. And just like relying more on like community members and family and friends instead of like abusive and harmful like police officers and like the, the justice system. Mm. Hmm. Is there like, I don't know if it's same as youth, but for like adults, is there like racial disparities as well, in the, like in the youth incarceration? Like, are there more? Yeah, 
So from what I heard from the meeting, there's currently like 14 youth inside. They range in um, age, but it's all like people of color and people from low income families who are usually the ones who are more involved in the criminal justice system. Hmm. Yeah, I read somewhere that like perhaps there could be more money put in to the communities to help, you know, low income or, or those kids that are, you know, being not necessarily targeted, but like, you know, don't have as much opportunities to end up in those, you know, yeah. in those places yeah. versus, versus the other way, putting money into those. Uh, yeah, I think it's always better to like fund organizations and programs. I think, Emily, you mentioned you're in Breakthrough. Mm -hmm. I'm in the SMART program, which also helps low-income first-gen students be able to um, afford education and like help them get to college and like teach them and like offer activities so that they, you know, have more resources and like opportunities for their future. So yeah, just like putting more money into like programs, activities, and things that like shift youth's um, experiences to a more like positive one. Yeah, good. Any other um, chime in or another concern? Yeah, I can add on. I mean, I think like, like Yoslin said, investing in youth early is really important rather than like focusing on punishment whenever they do something bad. And I think that's something that really goes unsaid a lot of the time because um, personally from my own experiences, Breakthrough has helped me so much in my education. Like if it weren't for Breakthrough and all of the summer programs and all of the tutoring and just general mentorship that they offered me, which my parents couldn't offer me growing up, um, I, I really don't know where I would be right now. So I think like community organizations like Breakthrough and like after school programs funded by the city are just like so important for supporting youth early and ensuring that they don't go down the wrong path because, you know, um, Coming from like under-resourced neighborhoods um, and also like being first generation, it was very hard for me to like carve my own path. So um, finding mentorship in organizations like those has just been really important and crucial to like my personal development. And I'll say the science behind it too backs up all of these, these this testimony, right? Um, violence and I do a lot of work in, in gun violence prevention, and violence intervention programs are honestly often more successful than um, police are in preventing. Um, gun violence in our in our city. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, both are a part of the equation to ending um, the gun violence we see and, and the public safety concerns in the city. But um, I think that we've seen a lot of investment in them recently. We've seen them be quite successful. Um, and I, I know I am, and I think everyone on the commission is interested in looking into how we can support those programs and have them work specifically with youth as well um, and kind of get young people into that program early before they have an opportunity to, you know, be put into these situations that 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 cause um, violence to occur. Yeah, yeah. I just say like also like the education system plays a big part because it's great that we have like a lot of like you know um, community organizations, but um, like sometimes it can't always be like the most accessible. So like one thing we are like working on is like expanding like kind of like outreach and like right. access so people know about these problems. Mm. But also, you know, within our education system, I was looking at like data in regards to like suspensions and expulsions and, you know, similar to the, you know, uh, juvenile justice center, you know, it's, it's overwhelmingly, you know, students of color and lower income students who are affected by that, as well as, you know, students who are, you know, often, you know, miss school and, um, there's a lot of reasons, you know, for that. Some of them like relate to transportation and such, but like it's it's just been exacerbated too by um, you know having distance learning. You know, not everybody had the same access to technology and such to like stay connected and engaged in their yeah. 
education during that time. And I'll just add on, I feel like when people think about issues like, you know, youth not attending school or not doing their homework or committing these like petty crimes, um, there's often like a moralization and everyone's like, oh, like they're just bad people. You know, they, they have the wrong intentions. They're messing up the city. But like, I think it's just generally very important to investigate the root causes. Like a lot of these kids come from under-resourced neighborhoods and they haven't been taught otherwise. Like for a lot of people, it's just been like a means of survival. So that's why I think it's so important to like look beyond the surface and like, no, like there's no need to moralize all these situations. Like these kids don't have any other solutions. So it's just important to look at the root causes and like see how we can address prevention and things like that rather than like punishment and suspension and removal from schools. It's, it's funny talking about um, resources and schools. I'm often surprised at how many, um, you know, you know, good community organizations are like, I just don't know how to reach young people. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. like, have you been going to schools? <laughs> the places where young people all have to go during the day? Um, and it's interesting because also I sometimes feel like schools don't realize that they, are, that they have the opportunity to provide these resources to young people, that they are allowed to connect with outside resources and bring them in and use them as well. Um, so that's something that I'm hoping to encourage on the Youth Commission as well. Right, and, and, and usually it's outside, um, I don't wanna say like nonprofits, but services that have to go to the schools, and not the school themselves, because I mean, schools themselves are already Very problems busy. with staff. Underfunded, right? understaffed, yeah, overworked. Yeah. Especially yeah. teachers have become like social Everything workers for yeah, for, right. for young people. Which is why Prop G is such a great proposition. All and the what funding. Is Prop G? So it's gonna be, I forget the total amount, I think it's 60 million. And increases over increases time. over time, but sixty million is going to go to public schools for like activities, um, classes, nurses, therapists. So like to really like support um, students, which is great, which is what we need. Yeah, and just to add on to that, or even that question, because um, I know high schools have counselors, and, and yeah. probably like, I don't know if they're like mental health specialists or something like that, but. Do middle schools and elementary schools in the city have that too or no? I think it really depends on the institution. I've been very fortunate to go to a private middle school and high school. I did go to a public elementary school and there's a huge gap in education and resources available in public and private. Um, so I can't really speak on that right now. I know Hayden, you go to Lowell. Yeah, it's just been a, a huge burden like recently um, both our um, our school nurse and our school wellness coordinator left, and um, they, there was an allusion to the fact that it was connected to um, the payroll issues that are occurring with SFUSD, uh, and not just that, but they're already paid much less than like other public school districts, private school districts. You know, like for nurses, if they were to work somewhere else, so it's it's really hard to attract people to work in these schools, and we just don't budget enough positions in the first place. I think right now we have we have seven school counselors for like a body of like 3,000 kids, and you know, you can it's think really all hard. of the, you know, kids who have questions about, you know, college, about what classes they need to take to graduate. It's just not enough, um, you know, resources in the schools. And then like, I don't know, I went to an SFUSD middle school as well, and we had one counselor for each grade level, um, but uh, it, it, it just really isn't enough. And like a lot of schools, you know, it, it kind of, uh, there's, there's like PTOs or like Lowell has the Alumni Association. So you kind of see that the more, you know, affluent schools are able, you know, Lowell, we're able to fund like a second librarian. We're able to fund, you know, a nurse being there the full week as opposed to just two and a half days. So, you know, 
if if you get injured on Monday, well, you got a nurse, but Tuesday, you know, you're out of luck. And that, that's something that's happening in our schools. And I just I just feel like that's crazy because they don't have a, you know, affluent enough PTO or like PTA to fund, you know, the nurse. That should just be something that's like basic. You know, we shouldn't have to be, you know, asking for donations to fund a school nurse. Yeah. And that, you know, ties directly into the mental health issues that people are facing too. I mean, COVID was detrimental to everyone, but especially young people who spent hours a day online and away from mental health support in a really difficult time. Um, and I think people are beginning to realize now how important those services are. I think that there's still work to do, but I think advocacy actually has been relatively successful in San Francisco in getting more support for mental health for young people. But it's this huge gap that we're now just catching up with. It was never a priority before the pandemic. It's beginning to become one now but it is taking so long to catch up that there are so many young people um, who are struggling, who are waiting for support, um, and frankly, who are often falling through the cracks of the, of the system that's supposed to help them. Yeah. I mean, speaking from, I guess, an older person, um, no mental health whatsoever in anything growing up in school, mm -hmm. anything like that. So even just the talk and the, you know, the progress in it is like huge but of course it's just not yeah. enough still but there's also stigma depending on your race and like mm -hmm. religion whether like mental health is even like a real thing right and also yeah. what your mental health condition is yeah too. yeah right that's yeah. A big thing i think like you know mental health issues always existed but like as you and said the pandemic kind of brought to light all of the really bad things that were happening like not even exacerbate i feel like no one was talking about the issues of mental health before the pandemic right. um and i think oftentimes like you said you know a lot of these services aren't offered in schools so i think like in general there's such like a wide disconnect from like students and services, you know, whether that's services in schools or services in community organizations, like all of these services exist, but students don't know how to access them. So, you know, there needs to be a better way to connect students to everything that can support them. Yeah. So another concern, possibly, I know you brought up gun violence. Mm -hmm. um, is that another concern you guys all have? Yeah. I mean, just I think it was just yesterday the New York Times posted a story about how it's officially, in their statistics, um, has overtaken any other cause for death for young people in the United yeah. States. Yeah, 19%. 19%. It used to be, used to be car, car deaths, and car deaths, but now the number one is gun violence. It's gun violence. And, um, and also the racial disparities there are kind of incredible, too. Um, and really concerning. You know, I do a lot of work on gun violence prevention um, of course, there's a need for federal action. Mm. Um, we are not going to solve the gun violence crisis in this country until we see the Senate and House pass actual gun safety legislation that restricts guns from getting in the hands of dangerous people. Um, but there are still actions that we can take on the local level and on the state level, um, even in California, even in liberal San Francisco, um, that can help save lives, particularly around um, things like safe storage of guns. Mm -hmm. um, I wrote a resolution on the commission urging all San Francisco schools to send home safe, safe storage information. And just recently, a state law passed that will actually require schools to send home uh, safe storage information for firearms. Um, other things like violence intervention programs are incredibly important to helping end this crisis, um, building those community relations. Um, and also, mental health is a big part of that, too. Access to a gun. Um, increases, I, I don't know what the statistic off, is off the top of my head, but it is, it, gun suicides are so much more successful 
mm. in, in killing the person than any other form of suicide. And it's so irreversible. Um, that access to guns can really exacerbate these issues too. And, you know, someone who might be struggling today and tomorrow, but in two years from now would be in a much better place with the support and medication that they need. Um, you know, there's an irreversible thing that they can do with a gun that they can't do with other ways of hurting themselves. Wow. And is it kind of the norm now to have like uh, drills at school? Like, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. 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 It's scary having to like go through that process because you never know if it'll happen. And the mm. data is actually, well, it's unclear a little bit, but it's also pretty clear that um, having these drills doesn't actually save lives. We now, unfortunately, in the United States, have enough data points mm. of school shootings that happen in schools that do have lockdown drills and that don't have lockdown drills that, frankly, it doesn't make much of a difference, that there are other policies and things that we could work on that are less sort of really? traumatizing to kids as well. Um, Wow. That would be uh, better. That would be a better use of time and resources than lockdown mm. drills. I'm not advocating against them, right. but I think that that's not really where our focus should necessarily yeah. be with preventing these issues. Lowell just hasn't done them at all this year. So, or I don't think we did it last year. I think we did it my first year, but mm -hmm. since then, we just haven't done them. So I don't know. It, it's interesting because. I don't know, I just think too, like our, our school campus, like we have so many kids and people just wander on and off. Like, right. I don't know, I, I try not to think about it, but it's definitely like a thought in my head, like anybody could just wander onto here. Right, mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's crazy. I mean, like ever since Sandy Hook, I, I mean, I literally started doing lockdown drills in like third grade yeah. before I even started Same. sex ed or anything. So I think growing up and like having to do that every year was really traumatizing and like, yeah, this, this could happen to me any day. So it's just really scary and seeing gun violence get worse, like as, as I'm growing up, not even an adult yet. It's just really terrifying. If too many times I've walked out of school and checked my phone and seen a story about kids like me who were in a, in a, you know, in a classroom like me all day, yeah. um, you know, being shot and killed right. in that classroom. I mean, it's really astonishing to walk out of your last class of the day and check the news mm -hmm. and see that, um, you know, whether it's in Michigan and Texas and here in California, mm -hmm. um, it was relatively random that it was that school. It very much could have been your school. Yeah. Um, and, and there's something that we can't really, there's, there's a feeling of helplessness around that too, I think. Yeah. yeah. There was that, that story about um, the kid campaigning for Warnock, right? Yeah, he got shot. He got shot. A 13-year-old, I believe, was yeah. campaigning for Warnock. Mm -hmm. um, which I, I He you knocked know, on the door. And, I've, and I've been that kid. I, I yeah. was the kid in freshman year who was volunteering on a local political campaign. Mm -hmm. And of course people, lots of people don't like campaign people. Right. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's reasonable, I get right. it. But um, having a gun in that situation made that 10 times worse. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I was like not even like knocking on doors, just like walking up and like hanging door flyers this election. And like in the back of my head, I don't know. Like I, I just thought about like, you know, what if somebody like, like thinks I'm like stealing a package or like thinks I'm like trying to break into their house. Like, I don't know, like people- Those people, next door posts. Especially, you know, like, I feel like in some like more like affluent neighborhoods, like, I don't know, I see next door, they're all like, oh, this like hooligan teenager is like walking up to my door, you know, like he must be up to no good. So mm -hmm. I don't know, I, it, it was a thought in my head. I was like, dang, you know, like somebody, maybe, maybe it's not a gun, maybe it's a dog or like they, they yeah. send something on me, you know, but. Hmm. And this is not, an, uh, you know, I think people often think like, oh, we're in San Francisco. We don't have this issue as much. Mm 
um, especially in poor communities and communities of color, this is a, a consistent issue that we're still facing. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that San Francisco policies don't cover other parts of the state and of the country as well. Um, San Francisco led the way with a ghost gun ban. Ghost guns are guns that you can buy um, online and basically mm -hmm. put together yourself that mm -hmm. don't require a serial number, which like gets rid of any kind of system of keeping track of guns that we have in the country. Um, and we were the first state or the first um, city to actually make that illegal. And then California followed through with that as well, um, that selling that was illegal. But um, it's things like that, too. It's like all of these ways that gun manufacturers and the gun industry um, is going around um, the policies that we put in place that's continuing the issue, um, especially with, you know, the gun violence we're seeing on the streets every day. You know, there are school shootings all across this country, but there are many more kids shot just walking home um, because they really? live in a, in a, in a community mm. of color that has, that has had this consistent issue. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's an astonishing, it's an astonishing thing, and it's it's a uniquely American issue yeah. as well. And I guess like as a youth commission, though, what what actually do you feel you could bring up or you know advise? In, like because I mean obviously there's many topics that have a lot of issues, but um, the, the gun violence is I mean it, it just hits home I think for everyone, especially for me and everything, um, but. As a youth commission, how do you go about that? Well, um, I don't know much about the ghost gun ban, but our job is to advise the mayor and the board of supervisors on issues related to youth. And, you know, obviously, like us as the youth commission, we can't solve the issue of gun <laughs> violence in a night, two nights. Right. But I think what we can do is urge local policymakers to take action. And I think by the local government taking action, we can inspire the state government, we can inspire mm -hmm. the federal government. And, you know, that's how change works. So I think um, everything that we can do to um, inspire our local elected officials to take action on things like the ghost gun ban can um, inspire more counties and more states and just the world in general. Yeah. And one of the best things about our job is we can bring up any topic, any issue to yeah. the Board of Supervisors yeah. and the mayor. And whether they take our like recommendation or not, we can still push them and urge them to do something about it. So they can't ignore us. They have to like realize, okay, this is what the youth are writing about. This is what they like would like us to do. We have to do something. We can't just do nothing. Because yeah. then that kind of looks bad on them. It's fun because the Youth Commission in San Francisco, and this is actually relatively unique to San Francisco as well, is actually a part of our city charter. Yeah. So they legally can't ignore us. Yeah. They don't have to take yeah. our recommendations. Right. But, but we can keep uh, pushing them. them. But yeah. they have to read our resolutions yeah. and they have to, to talk about these issues. Yeah. And, and I think most people in San Francisco are actually quite open to working with the Youth Commission. Yeah. yeah. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, there, there's power behind that too. And I think that that's where a lot of the advocacy work we do gets its power. Yeah, but mm -hmm. also there's many of the Board of Supervisors actually like care about us mm -hmm. and like care about the work that we're bringing up. So it's not like they're just not reading us or like caring. Like they actually do like care Absolutely. about the issues and like read them and actually like consider them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it is really unique because a lot of supervisors just like reach out to us yeah. and they're just like, hey, like yeah. what what do you feel about bike parking? And it's it's yeah. really unique because they do care about what you have to say and they want to consider that in the legislation that they make. And they want to really help awesome. us too. They like yeah. offer resources or like, hey, do you want to speak to this person or let me introduce right. you to like mm -hmm. this like organization? Like they really do want to help us continue our work and like really expand what we know.
it's fun that the mayor recognizes me places now. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's that's how you that's how you know. That's like, good. Yeah, I know. That's how you know that you're really making an impact. Is that she's yeah. like, oh, that's that kid. <laughs> no, but but her office is very open to working with the youth commission as well, and I I appreciate. Yeah. I think I I don't think I can think of a supervisor or the mayor's office who hasn't been open to working with us or at least listening to our concerns. Yeah, and it's not like they just want to, you know, take our feedback for their own benefit. Like, they genuinely want to help you grow as a person, too. Like, I don't know, multiple offices have offered me internships and, like, offered me different opportunities to, like, you know, be in this ad or, like, help write this legislation or be in this video. And I think that's so unique because they they really want to see you grow as a person and, like... um, follow all of your dreams I don't know like literally the senator was asking me what college I wanted to go to and if he could help in any way so it's it's, wow. it's very sweet yeah well it's also I sometimes I look at the youth commission and I'm like oh these people are going to be on the board of supervisors in 20 years right. like, like right. we should this it's good that we're learning this now and doing this yeah. work now because right. we are the next generation of yeah. leaders of the city I really do believe I do believe that mm-hmm. of the country mm-hmm. yeah are there any other concerns? I think like a like big issue that we're also like thinking about as like young people and like it's kind of upon us in some ways, but like, you know, like climate change, like, you know, um, there's been mm-hmm. talk recently like about the Great Highway and we're going to have to close like a portion of it in 2025 because it's literally crumbling into the ocean, you know, like mm-hmm. this is real and like it's it's here now, you know, and there's like a lot of the city's very ambitious when it comes to like setting like vision and policies you know we have we have vision zero that you know in like two years i think at this point we want to eliminate all traffic fatalities of like you know people walking across the street they get hit by a car and like we've essentially made no progress since it was started you know we have we want to get 20 percent of trips in the city people making them by bicycle and we're yeah. we're just not making any progress on all of these these goals that we like set out for ourselves in terms of climate change so it can be like really frustrating, but that's something that kind of like motivates me is like we set out what our, you know, what our values are mm-hmm. and how do we how do we make sure that our, you know, policies and the decisions that we make day to day, how do we like make sure those align with what we're actually, you know, saying that we value, you know. And, and that's replicated across so many of the issues of San Francisco. <laughs> like we love to be this progressive icon, but sometimes when you get down to the nitty and gritty we're actually not making the progress on yeah. issues that we need. We're not setting mm-hmm. the actually transformative policies that need to be done. Um, transit is actually a great example of that with Vision Zero. Yeah, I agree. I think the city can be very performative. And it's also like, you know, it, it, it's like they, they say they want one thing, but then they, they completely do something yeah. else. And, you know, that just get that that just gets bypassed and I don't think that's okay. And also like I think specifically with climate change and transportation, there's so many like neighborhood disparities that people don't talk about. Like right. under-resourced communities are experiencing the climate change experiencing climate change mm-hmm. a lot a lot worse than other communities and like growing up in the Bayview and the Excelsior and like living near freeways and like experiencing so much pollution and not being able to bike in my own neighborhood in fear of like a car crash because of the narrow streets like it's it's just really horrible and like if we can't even fix the issues in the wealthier communities how are we going to help the underserved communities that like experience the, the brunt of it yeah I also think like people are just so resistant to change, yeah. um, like right. um, especially with the Slow Streets program, which we've been looking into as um, a committee on the Youth Commission, mm-hmm. the Housing, Recreation, and Transit Committee. Um, we've seen how Slow Streets have benefited 
youth in the city specifically mm -hmm. overall, but still like the mayor and other elected officials are resistant to it and are afraid of change because we're such like a car dominated city. And I think it's important to be optimistic about the future and be realistic, but also like, hey, like slow streets are helpful to us. Like this can actually get to where we want to go in terms of our climate goals. And people really need to consider that. Yeah, it's it's kind of like in a sense, I feel like it's like a chicken and an egg problem because right. before I used to be like somebody who's mad, like I don't understand why are, why are people like all like so stuck in their cars? But I feel like a lot of issues, you know, that's the system. We've set up a system that, yeah, you know, if, if it's going to take me an hour to like take the bus across town or I'm going to be, you know, almost hit by a car biking down a, you know, 40 mile per hour road, the obvious choice is for me to drive. That's that's the system that we've set up. So it's it's really hard to like kind of like convince people that like, hey, you know, we we know this is the system now and we understand why you drive. You know, we're not saying that you're a bad person because you drive, because I do think there's some people who are out there who are like, oh, you're a horrible person because you drive a car and you're you're killing all the turtles, you're killing the children, you know, but like, you know, that's the system we have. So we need to show people that, you know, there is a better way and we, we can yeah. get there and it's going to take a lot of time and there's going to be some inconvenience. But like in the long run, you know, if we just sit here and we never change, you know, it's not going to work. So we, we ha there has to be a little bit of, you know, inconvenience, change, you know, people are going to feel uncomfortable. But, you know, if if we just say stagnant, you know, it's it's, it's not going to work. And I think that's something that the Youth Commission has been pretty big on, like making people uncomfortable, <laughs> like elected officials that's holding, them, yeah. holding, them, like, no, holding them accountable. Great. And I think like specifically with Free Muni for All Youth, which mm -hmm. the Youth Commission helped create, like, you know, of course, the SFMTA board was super uncomfortable. They were like, <laughs> how are we going to have money to pay for transit for all youth in the city? But, you know, the Youth Commission proposed that to them. And like they said, hey, it's really important. Like youth can't afford fares. They can't even drive. Like, how do you expect them to pay to get to school every day, pay to get to, to their job every day? And, you know, since we proposed it, we've seen like so many positive impacts come out of that. Like youth can just hop on and ride for free and get to wherever they need to go. They have access to so many opportunities. And I think that's so important, like making people uncomfortable, showing them that change is good and like being resistant to change is so unhealthy. Like it just right. makes yeah. us go in the wrong direction. So yeah. I think making people uncomfortable and doing our job to hold them accountable creates so many positive impacts for all youth in the city. And I think we kind of make each other uncomfortable too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean each other on the Youth Commission? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, I mean, I remember our, um, we, do, we do a retreat before we begin every year just to like see what people's priorities are and to like mm -hmm. meet each other. Um, and we had some intentional, uncomfortable conversations in there, recognizing the privilege that people hold, recognizing um, you know, the, the backgrounds that people have and how that impacts how they view the world as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really important too. And I think that's often missing from the conversations we have in the city. Um, I often see two different groups fighting about, you know, housing is like the ultimate issue, right? right. You see um, people on one side saying like, we have these systemic issues of not approving more housing, of not building more housing. And then we have people on the other side who are saying, like, I'm also just concerned that my neighborhood is going to get gentrified. Mm, um, right. And it's the lack of dialogue and the lack of being able to be uncomfortable in that division and have both parties in that division that I think often stops this progress. Like, we have so many unnecessary divides in this city, especially in the city's politics, that mm -hmm. all, all the reasons that these issues are not being addressed. Like, we all have the same issues. Honestly, people in San Francisco all agree on what the solution should be. We want to see less um, homelessness. We want to see less um, crime on the street. 
we want to see more people um, getting the services that they need and more people getting stable housing. But because we're not willing to like sit down with each other and have made these strong divisions and are so resistant to changing and changing our opinions as well, mm-hmm. um, I think that that's one of the reasons we're seeing, you know, so many people, San Franciscans, especially within the last couple of elections, have expressed this like, we keep voting on these issues. Yeah. Like every politician promises to solve this problem in their own way, but it's never really getting solved. But we also yeah. see people moving out of San Francisco, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. going to Oakland, Richmond, sure. leaving San Francisco because we can't fix these problems. Yeah. And then those cities are being also like having more housing problems as well. And to add on to Ewan's point, I mean, like, I think from the, what, not even two years that I've been involved in San Francisco politics, I've seen so many patterns. Like it's it's the same props every year, yeah. just named a different prop. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's no change. And like Ewan said, I think that's why it's really important for us to just like sit together and have a conversation like this. And I think like that's why being involved in politics as a youth has been such like an enlightening experience. Yeah. Like yeah. it, it's really uncomfortable, but I think discomfort brings a lot of positive change. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I find myself arguing with other youth commissioners about like so many different topics and I've been able to like realize so many of my own blind spots and like where I've developed my perspectives and like where I can improve by listening to other people and I think that's why you know youth involvement in politics is so important because you're exposed to different perspectives and like you're exposed to your own perspective and it's really introspective in that you're like why do I think like that like why do I why do I have this opinion um so that's like a way I've grown so much on the youth commission being involved in all of like the really intense discourse in San Francisco and like try to find my own perspective in light of all of that and just like being really introspective with myself and other people. And it's worth saying too, like, people are often ask me like, why aren't more young people involved in San Francisco politics? We have a very engaged like group of people in San Francisco, including young people who are doing activism. And they, there are a lot of people doing political activism and organizing young people mm-hmm. in San Francisco. But I'm also like, because whenever we have these conversations, we try and put people into these like obscure groups that, you know, like moderate and progressive. And I'm like, that's just mm-hmm. not how issues right. work. Right. And and that's such a toxic environment to like particularly put a young person who's also still trying to like learn mm-hmm. in as well. I think I've definitely felt that on the youth commission, not between ourselves, but outside of the youth commission, like in city politics and city government being put into one of these boxes. And I'm like, I don't really know where I lie yet either. I'm still like a big part of the youth commission is learning about the issues. I don't, Mm -hmm. I did not come on the youth commission with an opinion on every issue we've ever dealt with. I had to do research. I had to talk to people. I had to hear different people's opinions in order to determine how I felt about something. Um, We often don't give people the space to do that either. I agree. I think in San Francisco politics, there's like a need to put labels on people. Mm -hmm. And especially I've seen like, with the whole Board of Ed stuff with the Lola admissions Mm -hmm. policy, like people would, I remember like I was in an internship and they they really expected me to have opinions right away about like how I felt about certain issues. But like Ewan said, like I'm a youth, I'm still learning about how to form my own perspectives and how to like engage with other people's perspectives respectfully. And I think with the Lola admissions thing, you know, there is this whole thing about like, hey, like if you believe that we should do lottery admissions, then you're progressive. But if you don't believe that, you're moderate. And I think this labeling is so bad because like confining people into a box really makes you like question what, like that's not healthy discourse. It's very toxic. Like yeah. you're, you're labeling them. That's toxic. Like, also, it's yeah. not like there's like two options. Yeah, no. Like I, like there's a, we could do kind of anything. In the middle. Yeah. It's not it multiple choice. Politics I'm, is not multiple choice. Yeah. And also, I'm like you know, I think that the current Lowell admission system is is problematic. 
Well, it doesn't mean I necessarily, you know, want to get rid of it entirely. Like, mm -hmm. like there's there's middle grounds and there's improvements there's that can nuance. be made on, yeah. Yeah. And we don't allow for that in discourse either. Yeah. Do you guys feel like as youth, like especially with climate change, I guess, but is there pressure, a lot of pressure as youth to like, I don't know, like not you're going to solve it, but it's going to be your problem eventually. Like, so do you guys feel more pressure? Yeah, of course. But I feel like there's a problem with like putting on the pressure on people instead of like companies who are like the most responsible for like toxic um, air admissions and things like that. Right, plastic, Yeah, oil plastic, like, right, like telling us to like stop using like um, plastic straws, but mm -hmm. it's like the big companies that use like plastic bags and plastic containers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a pressure on youth to like fix this problem. Cause it's like the adult, the older people are like, well, we're not gonna be in the world much longer. So why do we have to fix anything? It's crazy to like how much connected like every issue is, you yeah. know, like, I don't know. I was I was in Richmond the other day, which is like, you know, very like underserved community. And like, you know, they have the big like Chevron refinery and it's like pumping like smoke into the air. And it's just like the big freeway is running right by. And like, like, I don't know. I just think like everything is like so connected and we need to do so much, you know, like when we we're talking earlier about like, you know, people getting to schools, you know, well, transportation is a big part of that and like free muni, like everything is so interconnected. It's crazy. Um, so it's, it's like hard, like sometimes to like, like, I know, like, I, I'm like, oh, you know, this is an issue, you know, we need to do something about it. But it's hard to like, like really like, because you really do need to figure out like the root causes of everything. And like, but I, I think like what Yoslin said is very true, you know, like, it's really hard to like, you know, like, when there's a drought and they're telling me, oh, you know, shave a minute off my shower. I'm like, okay, but you know, there's all these people like growing like, you know, livestock and like agriculture that are using, you know, millions like times like more water than me. Like, I don't know. I like in some ways, like I understand, like there's like a personal like aspect to it, but we need like more like right. big like policy changes. More We're not gonna solve this. I can't solve this alone. And I think like that's something that the commission shows mm -hmm. is like, really like because i don't know i didn't really like come into like this work like as a part of like any like big like groups or organizations i was just kind of like doing my own thing and then like kind of like when the pandemic happened there was kind of like like this this like coalition of people came together to like save muni service and like that's when i really saw like we were getting results and i'm like you know this has to be something we all like come together and work on and i think like young people actually like realize that and that's one of like the great things is that we mm -hmm. see this is like you know it's like a horrible thing but it's in some ways it unifies us like we're all going to have to deal with this problem so like right. we need to like work with each other and like you know move past any you know labeling of like oh i don't like this person because they're a moderate and i'm a progressive you know so it, it's kind of it's kind of uniting in a weird way yeah yeah and to to add on to hayden's point i think like that's why individualism is such a big problem within like our capitalist society because like everyone's like oh you can you can do this by yourself you can be successful on your own you can solve all of the world's problems but i i mean ever since i joined the youth commission i've been introduced to like the idea of people power like we're so much more powerful as a collective and when we work together and when we think about the systems rather than our own selves and i think the youth commission has really taught me to think beyond myself and think for the world in general. And that's just something so unique that I've never found in any other institution before. And I think, you know, that's what people should be teaching kids in schools. They shouldn't be teaching them to, you know, 
graduate, make as much money as possible, do whatever you want, buy the biggest house, buy the biggest mansion, make a family. No, like they should be teaching kids to feel responsible for the world and the impact that they're making on the world. And that's what the Youth Commission has taught me. And it's really been the most meaningful life lesson I've ever learned. It's funny how often an adult will come up to me, or I think in the Youth Commission in general, and they'll be like, Oh, I'm so glad you're like the future. You're gonna solve our problems. You're gonna, you're gonna you like, you're them? gonna, you're gonna be part of the solution. <laughs> and and these can be people who like work in city government too. And I'm like, your job is to like solve these issues. I'm like, it's. I mean, I'm 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 part of the solution too. But you can't just give that to our yeah. generation. There's there's an expectation that like we're the ones who will feel the impacts of climate change. So therefore, we're the ones who need to solve it. We can't, we can't solve gun violence until young people really demand it from our state legislators. And like, you need to be a part of the solution right. too. Mm -hmm. We need to really bridge this gap between youth and adults as well. Um, I, I, a big thing I believe in is like coalition building and coalition building across divides, right? Like there are things that Yoselin and I don't agree on that we you know, will vote against each other on the Youth Commission on. At the same time, we need to work hand in hand together to solve the issues that we do. Um, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and there's, like Hayden was saying, there's this thing that's like, I don't want to work with this person because we disagree on this issue. But no, you need that. I'm like, you need to, you can disagree on this issue. You also agree on this issue and need to be working together to get it done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think um, that's another thing with like teaching youth these things in schools. Like these are really yeah. important life skills. Like leadership is an important life skill. Collaboration across divides is an important life skill. And it's taught me so much as a person, like being able to debate with all of these different people about different ideas. Like me and you, me and you and argue a lot. We, <laughs> and, we're, and we're great friends, by the way. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. really great friends, but we've been able to do really like meaningful yeah. things together. And I think you know, that's something that we should include in our education system, like challenging youth to think beyond their own perspectives and work with people who they disagree with. Um, and I think, you know, leadership opportunities like that should be provided all across the city so that we can really cultivate the next generation of leaders that will change the world. So there's this term that um, that's being used a lot by the younger generation. It's, it's kind of, I mean, it's funny for sure. Um, and But I, I kind of want to ask, what does OK Boomer, that term, Right. What does that really mean? Like, what what is the meaning of that? Like, I don't obviously I don't know, or if you can explain where it came from. But what does that mean, and what does it really mean? I guess if there is a, a real meaning to it, does anyone want to explain what OK Boomer is? It's kind of a millennial thing, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think like like I don't know like I, I'm somebody who's like serially on Twitter and like I see it a lot there. Like it's kind of it's like problem. any social media platform. <laughs> yeah. You see it. It's kind of like something that like will like say in response to like because sometimes like there's a lot of there's a lot of we do face like people or like adults who you know they they might straight up like disagree with us but they might be people who you know they say they agree and they say oh you know I really want to like help you and then they do the opposite you know or like you know they don't really they don't really put their money where their mouth is so to speak so it's kind of like calling them out like okay you know like like. And I think, you know, it's kind of like seen like sometimes people will say, oh, you know, look at you like you guys are all like entitled or you're you're the lazy generation or whatever. <laughs> and like they see us as like, you know, being like rude to them by saying like, OK, boomer. But, you know, the the reality is like it's kind of they don't value us. So like, you know, they, they I don't get any respect from you. So like, why am I going to, you know, 
go and like support whatever you want or agree with whatever you say. Like, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, there's like this weird, like twisted, like power structure or like, you know, they always tell you like respect your elders, but you right. don't respect me. So, right. Right. you yeah. know, there's that a huge sense. gap between adults and youth nowadays. They like don't like care about our ideas or like think that like, oh, you're still too young. We've had more like life experiences. We've been in school longer. We've seen more. So you won't understand. So you can't speak about this. And like as youth, like, OK, that might be like maybe true, but like also our opinions matter. And we've also been th through things. We've seen things and you should like care about our opinions as well. So, yeah. yeah. OK, boomer. <laughs> I think it's it's interesting. It's uh. It's sort of it's a it's a funny meme, but it actually speaks yeah. to this issue of like how much space are different generations taking up in the conversation. Mm -hmm. And Gen Z, I think, is very willing to like demand space a lot more than other generations and other sort of political movements yeah. are. And Gen Z is like what late nineties to I think it's ninety seven to yeah. twenty ten. Yeah, yeah, something like that. that uh, age. Uh, us basically. Yeah. I think everyone on the youth commission right now is Gen, yeah. Z. Gen Z. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Gen Z has, I guess, the stereotype of, I mean, you guys, ne you know, never experienced no internet, right? So I guess- <laughs> Like addicted, to technology, addicted to technology, very loud. Yeah. And then they also say a social justice warrior. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, so I don't know. Those are some of the stereotypes I've heard of, right? Yeah. I, I think the best thing about Gen Z is when needed, we like come together. We like unite and like really fight for what we need and what we want. Mm. And we're fed up. And we're, yeah, we're just like, <laughs> like exhausted like, like, with I nothing getting done. Yeah, I think that there really is a push within our generation to be like, guys, like this is so dumb. <laughs> like, like, like adults have been arguing over these issues for 40, 50 years and we're so over it. Yeah. We need to move on. Exactly. And we need to, we need to like actually solve these issues instead of just perpetually talk about them. And I think that's true on the local level, on the state level, on the national level, and, and globally. Yeah. Emily, Jasmine? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was just going to say, I feel like the term OK Boomer is kind of like a justification for like the massive divides that, you know, exists between our generations. And, you know, we've seen that because there's so many technological advancements happening every single minute, every single second. So it is creating wide divides between us and the generations that came before us. But I don't think using the term is an okay way to justify that yeah. we don't have to work with these people. Because right. like you and said, we do have to work with these people to achieve meaningful change. These people are making the decisions that will affect our everyday lives. And um, if they don't have a perspective on how we're impacted by the issues, no change is ever going to get made. And I think yeah. that's why the Youth Commission is so important because, you know, the mayor, um, district supervisors, they're making decisions on everything that affects our lives. So that's why it's important for us to have a voice in City Hall because they need to work with us so that they can create better outcomes for all youth in San Francisco. And we still, I think it's important that we recognize that there's a lot we still have to learn as well. Like, I think part of OK Boomer can be dismissive of, um, like, generational knowledge that we need mm. to get as well. Um, and I think it's possible to both demand change from a generation and learn lessons from them at the same time. Right. Yeah. Has anyone used it yet? No. Has anyone said it? I've never used we it. We use it as a joke. Like, <laughs> I, we use it against each other as yeah. a joke, I think. But I don't think I've ever been told a person like, okay, yeah. no. I've, I've kind of thought it in my head. Like, I feel like a lot of times there's like this like thing where like, it's kind of like a form of like gaslighting where I'll have like a like personal experience, you know, and like, that's my experience, and I'll like share that with people. And the first thing they tell me is, oh, the statistics don't support that. Oh, my experience doesn't support that. Oh, that shouldn't have happened. But you know, that's just 
like they try to like dismiss me like uh, that that my like personal experience can't mm. possibly be valid because they've done you know research that may or may not be valid you know maybe they just their research didn't include youth at all so mm. there's no way that the research like included my perspective so like they'll they'll like kind of invalidate me and i just kind of like you know i don't say it to them i don't want to be like <laughs> super rude but i'm just like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sure that's that's what you think you know like i think also for like career expectations one of the things i love about to like the youth and like younger people is that we don't let companies um how can i say this I'm, like not saying a bad word can i like us over like like we were we have more like salary expectations like yeah because mm. i know that sometimes companies will give you like the the low ball right. yeah. and people are like no we want like we want transparency. We want to get paid what we need to get paid. Because yeah. um, like, even like minimum wage living and like, you can't you can't afford to live in a city with like what a hundred thousand dollars you need maybe to like live well. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that for like careers, it's also like which career will give us the most money to be able to like survive in this world, which yeah. is like also where like tech and like comes in yeah. and like STEM. And it's interesting too. Like there's it's very taboo to like share your salary, but it's yeah. becoming much more of a like encouraged Open thing. thing. Right, right. Yeah. So that, especially yeah. between, you know, genders and, and races right. in a workplace. Um, and I would feel very comfortable. Sh I mean, I don't, I currently don't make a salary. <laughs> but, and, but you know, post-college when I get a job, I actually think it would be really important, important, especially as like a white male, to share that information with others yeah. as well, just to like be aware of disparities and to rectify them as well. That might be a generational thing too. Yeah. Like I feel like it was very taboo yeah. to talk about your it's own still. economic situation. But we also like, as Gen Z, complain to each other a lot about it because <laughs> yeah. we're like everything. I mean, we're also growing up in a time of like incredible inflation post COVID too. Like literally, everything, everything is so expensive. But my parents are like, "How did you? How does it cost like five bucks for a cup of cup of coffee?" I'm like, "Well, let me tell you about like textbooks and college." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. everything's much more expensive. Yeah, it's so weird. Like I don't know. I I I work for the city, like in a job outside of this, and like you know, I don't know. I I, I just like think it's like cool because it just lists the salary when you apply yeah, and yeah. I looked at like other jobs and I'm like wait that's not like the standard they don't just like they tell like you how range. much you get paid yeah. or like somebody was telling me like about like buying a car and it's just like the weirdest thing like our society where like you know you go to the car dealership and it's not like a price it's like who's the best negotiator you know like it's kind of a weird thing like I don't know I just yeah I just want simple I want to like walk in and know how much I'm gonna pay you know yeah. it yeah yeah well it's like too like I think I don't know, I feel very aware of like the value of my work, especially like mm -hmm. doing this work as well, which is like demanding and hard and unpaid because <laughs> of just how right. the, the city is set up. Um, although I, I, I love it. Um, like knowing the value of the skills that you have as well and being willing to say like, that's just not a high enough yeah. salary for me. Mm -hmm. A, to like live off of and B, to be like, I, you know, especially if you like have a degree in this or whatever, to be like, that's just not what I'm worth. Yeah. And I think that there's a much, people in Gen Z are much more willing to be like aware of how the system is like taking advantage of people mm -hmm. um, and like lowballing them basically. Um, and it's much more willing to be, to stand up to that. Yeah. And because I think that there's also this like personal dynamic where it's like, I don't know, if I was talking to an employer, I'd be much more willing to be like, I know that you're not like lowballing me intentionally. You're not like, you know. Mm -hmm. The, like what you said, uh, <laughs> but but like but like the system is so. And to add on, I mean, like you and said, I I love 
the Youth Commission. I, I love the work that we do, and mm -hmm. it's, it's a really fulfilling job. Um, and I would love to find a job like this sometime mm -hmm. after I graduate I, college. I but, see myself being a staff member yeah, for the Youth Commission yeah, in the future. Yeah. It's also like, I think it's a privilege to be able to Absolutely. know what you want to do and to be able to yeah. pursue that. Because, you know, if I wanted to do writing or something, because I love reading and writing, mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't be able to do that because, you know, I'm first gen, my parents are immigrants, we don't make that much money, and I don't have that line of generational wealth. So it's it's such a privilege to be able to choose your job and mm -hmm. to do what you love and do what's fulfilling. And public service is like pretty low paying, not not as bad in San Francisco as yeah. other counties, but like it's, it's such a privilege. And I think um, being able to consider that and like having having the privilege to do something like this and having the time right now, I'm I'm really grateful for that. But not everyone can do that because they don't have time and they have yeah. to consider their salary more than we do. You know, like right now we're just checking on LinkedIn. Oh, is this going to make me enough so that I can like go shopping or something? But like, no, like these are really important jobs that people like rely on their lives mm -hmm. for. So, yeah. So is, so is, I mean, we talked about it a little bit already, but is there a stigma about youth in politics and like, for sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, do you feel it? Where do you feel it or do you feel it at all? I feel like there's like little, like, like I don't know if microaggression is the right mm. term, but like I, I got a permit to use the bike room from City Hall <laughs> and I filled out the form and the lady was looking at me. She's like, oh, you work here? And I'm like, yeah, I don't have a city email address to put on the form, but like, can I just write in like my DSW, like my employee ID number? And she's like, oh, you have one of those? That's cute. And I, I'm just like, what's that supposed to mean? Like, she wouldn't talk to an adult like that. She wouldn't tell, oh, you have an employee ID number? That's cute. You know, like, I was just like, wow, okay. You know, like in that moment mm -hmm. yeah. or like, I don't know. I, I don't want to tell too many of my stories, but yeah, like, sometimes they don't take you seriously because no, again, you're a young person. Like, I remember walking. What are you into, doing here? I remember walking into supervisors' offices. We were I can't even. We were like inviting supervisor. They're like they're like legislative aides to an yes. event. Like, yeah. And a couple of times we walked in there and they're like, "Hello." They're like, <laughs> oh, "Why yeah. are you here?" I'm like, first of all, this is a public office that like anyone can walk into. But right. second of all, like we're commissioners. <laughs> like, yeah. there's a reason we're here. Yeah. I mean, I've been like called cute so many times like in this work it's actually unbelievable i'm like man i'm just trying to do my job yeah. like please please leave me alone and i remember there was this one really interesting debate that i had with this guy like we were doing like a trash cleanup and it was just me and this other dude and we were talking about this book that we read about like youth involvement in politics i forgot what it's called but he was basically saying like oh like you know i don't think youth should be involved in government because they're just going to be sad they're going to be disillusioned by like how much our government can't do and I'm like dude and I, I, I tried my best to argue with him very respectfully, but like <laughs> that's that's such a bad take because I think youth should be taught to be optimistic rather yeah. than be pessimistic about where we can go in the future. But like a lot of adults think otherwise. Like a lot of adults surprisingly believe the same things that he believes. Like they they think that you know youth should just do their little thing, go to school, you know, in that have case, fun, they should not get be. A, yeah in government if they really yeah. think that way like if you're not going to create change why are you there yeah. for the money no yeah and i think that there's also an issue that the youth commissioners have felt before too of like tokenization oh yeah mm -hmm. um and and just being like you know a, a politician would like someone a photo op, a fo a photo oh, op yeah. or just like oh, someone stand yeah. next to them at a press right. conference yeah. and they can right. be like look at this youth leader that i'm like promoting da, 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 da. Right. Yeah. And, True. and then they like leave and there's no like actual mentorship there so yeah. there's there's a big difference between mentorship and like tokenization yeah and right. i actually think we do a relative it's a relatively good job here in city hall i think most people care about care us. about us they and actually they, they do genuine they don't mm -hmm. see it that way but there have definitely been times too where i'm like it's even from people who I think of it as like people who are mentors who really care about youth. 
where I'm like, you just want me here to like stand next to you for a photo op. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I just I don't think I'm willing to, to do that without having like, without having a, a conversation with you about this issue. You can definitely tell when meeting someone or like being at an event with them when they're just like using you versus like if they actually care about what you have to say. Yeah, and I think like as a youth commissioner, it's it's so important to find the balance between like being used for like tokenization, but also like using that clout yeah. so that take they advantage can, of it. Yeah, yeah. you should you should take advantage of that. Because you are standing next to an elected official. Yeah, and yeah. It, it gives the youth commission more prominence. And I mean, right. hey, like if that helps us do our job, might as well. Right. But it's it's important to find a balance and to be able to make sure that you're not being taken advantage of. Uh, I think something else that's just like really interesting is like like I don't know. I feel like like. I don't know, I, I mentioned this earlier, but I kind of feel like, like, oh, you know, I didn't really have like a, like, I don't have any like training going into this. I just like kind of have my own experience. Oh, yeah. And like, <laughs> it's a learning curve. Okay, wait, before you continue, just saying like, you do not need to have experience to come into like the youth commission position, no, which I feel like sometimes is like, uh, what's the word? I had no experience in politics like, before I came in here. It like pushes people not to want to like apply, apply for the job. Yeah. Cause it's like, I don't know anything about local government. like. I right. won't know how to do this or that, like, no. But it's like, yeah. you, don't get you don't need on. it. You, you can get, go in, you, you get, get trained. You don't get thrown on a commission. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's people to support you, there's people to educate right. you. But I do feel like, in some ways, like, I'm expected to, like, know a certain, like, thing or, like, mm -hmm. behave the way, like, the, the political, like, machine kind of, like, wants me to. And, like, you know, like, oh, you know, be professional and, you know, smile when the presenter is, like, obviously, like, lying to me and stuff. And, <laughs> thank them for coming and like you know that's just not me like i i right, like don't right. yeah. don't feel like you're going to like disrespect me and like lie to me and then expect me to be nice because i'm supposed to be nice to you you know like like i don't know and i feel like they like people feel like they can get away and like that i'm not going to call them out or i'm not supposed to call them out as a young person you know i'm supposed to like oh thank you thank you so much for your time you know thanks for valuing my poor little youth commission you know like no i'm like you like you like I don't know. I just feel like you wouldn't treat you wouldn't lie to the board of supervisors like that, or like if you did, you know, you would get called out. So I'm gonna call you out, you know, and like yeah. there's kind of like this expectation that we're supposed to like behave like. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be professional. Like we should be professional, but I expect that same professionalism back. You know, right. yeah. I don't want to be like BSed. You know, like yeah. there, there have been some times where people come to the youth commission, and I think that they forget that we're ultimately like here to hold the city government accountable. We're an employee mm. of the city. Yeah, well that, and also it's like, the job of the youth commission is to be a voice for youth. Right. You, you know, we're gonna call you out when you, I don't know if lie is the word I would use, but you know, you know, fudge the, fudge the numbers or you know, whatever happens. Like, um, there have definitely been times where I'm like, you, you kind of forgot that like, this isn't just a group of young people who like, off, like are interested in this, but it's like a commission whose, whose job it is, is to hold people accountable. Yeah, I think um, like the image of youth in the city is also just like really interesting because some people will be like, oh, like, you know, youth don't really do anything. They just like hang out and get boba all day and they just <laughs> they just sit there and play video games. So <laughs> it's funny because a lot of people actually come into youth commission presentations thinking that like we don't know anything. So yeah. we, we, we will surprise them, you know, when we when we know these ask procedures and ask specific mm. questions related to policies on whatever they're presenting on. And yeah, that, yeah it's funny. So, so is it, I guess, not youth commission, but in general as youth, is it a challenge to get more youth being interested in politics? And are there sure. any, is there anything the youth commission is trying to do to help that? 
Well, I think just bringing more awareness of what the Youth Commission mm -hmm. is and like what resources are available for people to sign up and join. I know that's something that um, our community outreach members are trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like last year, I was a comms officer and um, we did this thing where we made Instagram posts about campaigns that the Youth Commission has worked on. So we detailed like the Vote 16 initiatives, we detailed the free meaning for all youth mo movement. And I think um, being able to put our work on social media and also being able to put like legislation referred on social media is so important because it teaches youth that like, hey, like you, you can have a voice in all of these city policies that are affecting your lives and you can have a voice in all of these big movements. And I think um, making the Youth Commission as accessible to everyone as possible is, is really important so that you can, can get involved. Explain what Youth 16 is? Oh yeah, Vote, Vote, 16, Vote 16 is um, an initiative by the Civic Engagement Committee mm -hmm. of the Youth Commission, and it works to lower the voting age to 16 in all city elections. Um, and San Francisco it, one specifically. Yeah, San Francisco city elections. And um, you know, it's, it's actually received a lot of support from yeah. the Board of Supervisors, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it lost by like nearly 3% in the first election in 2016. Like 0.5 or something. 0.5 in it the was, next election. Yeah. Wow. So we are working to get it on the 2024 ballot again um, with more voter education, with more voter outreach, because we believe it's really important that youth get involved in voting early because, you know, it instills a habit in youth yeah. that voting is important. I think, you know, kind of, I, I, I touched on this before, but a lot of young people are interested in politics, yeah. but I think are also scared to get involved mm -hmm. because of how toxic it can be. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like I've also heard from so many young people that like their first interaction with politics was like negative, and so they were like steered away from it. Um, and I've definitely had plenty of negative interactions and, and, and situations happen to me with political activism, but I also think that the sort of environment that we have on the Youth Commission and are trying to create more generally within youth advocacy and activism yeah. in San Francisco is is positive and supportive. Like we, yeah. we all of us have different opinions, have different um, views on issues, have voted different ways on things here. But mm -hmm. I also know ultimately I can go to any of the people around this table and on the Youth Commission to be like, hey, this was like a bad experience that like I felt, you know, X, Y, and Z about or you know, I'm in this situation, can we talk about it? Because we all are sort of in the same boat of like, sometimes things don't go our way. And because we're young people, we have certain experiences that we want to share with each other as well. Yeah, and I think something interesting about the Youth Commission, which I found when I joined was that like, you actually don't need to know much about politics to be yeah. on the Youth Commission. Like I, my perception of it was that, oh, I need to know, like know all of these like U.S. amendments and like I need to <laughs> memorize the Constitution or something. But like I think that's what a lot of people think that the Youth Commission is. Like you need to have all of this abundance of political knowledge to be on the Youth Commission. But like really, when I joined, I realized it was less political than that. It was a lot about like community coalitions yeah. um, and just you know speaking from your own perspectives and like where you come from as a youth in order to better outcomes for um, everyone in San Francisco. And I think that's important because it's like you know. I think the discussions in the Youth Commission really encourage people to talk about where they come from and like what they truly believe rather than like, you know, affiliation to a political party or something like that's that's not what the Youth Commission is at all. I remember when I was applying to the Youth Commission, I'm pretty sure I reached out to you and I was like, I don't mm -hmm. know anything about politics. I'm really scared. Like what is going to happen during our first meeting or a retreat? And you were like, no, you'll be fine. You'll learn along yeah. the way. And that really is like for any youth who wants to get involved, you don't need to know everything. You'll be like trained and like taught along the way. So really just like take initiative, join it, don't be scared. 
And also yeah. people get turned down from the Youth Commission, like yeah. ultimately it is supervisors and the mayor who decides. Yeah, there are also other opportunities to get involved with. Reach out to Youth Commission staff. Or the Youth Commission like seats people on other bodies. And then outside of the Youth Commission, there's a whole other area of politics and of policy work as well. Yeah. Like I'd also say anyone who's watching this being like, I don't know if I want to be on the Youth Commission. Right. Or I want to, I applied but didn't get on. There's still so many ways for you to get involved. We have a website that you can find our information on. I really encourage that because you don't get started until you get started. And then once yeah. you get started, you kind of just keep going. And then oh, eventually yeah. you end I, up in a seat like this. Yeah, I think like it's so funny because involvement in politics is such like, it's like a little ball rolling. And yeah. there's like a million little balls rolling. Yeah. Balls in reference kinda... to like opportunities. Yeah. And it's just like, it's crazy actually. Cause like yeah. the first thing that I did was just like an internship where yeah. I like cleaned the streets in San Francisco. And mm -hmm. now I'm like, on the youth commission so i'm sure you volunteer it, yeah. for your super, your district supervisor that's a great way like if you're, mm. you're if you're not sure about the youth commission or if you're um not accepted the first time volunteer for your district supervisor try to like form a relationship with them or like whoever is in their office and then you can apply again into the youth commission i think like the other thing too is like as much as there are people involved there's a lot of people who aren't and it's it's kind of actually a great opportunity because um, you know, I feel like the biggest thing, you don't have to know anything special. You don't need to, you know, have like learned anything, you know, just, just show up and, you know, live your experience and you don't need to be on a, you know, right. city commission. You know, we have, our meetings are open to the public. Yeah. You can show up to the board of supervisors and make a public comment and mm. just, just speak your truth and, you know, just know your own experience and it'll get you pretty far, honestly. And people will recognize you. You know, I was just like some little kid who would go to the MTA board of directors and- And now they know you. <laughs> yeah, and I was at like some random event and like they they like came up to me and like hugged me and you're, they're like, oh my gosh, you're Hayden Miller from like our meetings. And I'm like, oh wow, you know, like I really like, I felt like somebody, I'm like, wow, you know, like these people, these people know me and like, you know, they don't always vote the way I want them to vote, but they, they, they listen and they hear you. And yeah, like, that's what government is there for. Like, just remember, like at the end of the day, it might not always go your way the way the government works, but they're there for you. That That's the whole purpose of government mm -hmm. is to serve you. So, And the Youth Commission has public comment on every item yes. and every motion we ever make. Every every, every city commission does. Our meetings mm -hmm. are open to the public. We want to make space for you. We want to hear from you. Yeah. Please come share your opinion. And you can also, like, even if you can't make a meeting, you can always, like, write public comment in, too. And I'd say like, especially at the like super, it's like hyper local, the Youth Commission, like we only represent young people in one specific area and one specific state. Um, so that's where your public comment is gonna have the most impact too. A couple of times people have reached out and I'm like, oh, this is an issue I didn't realize like needed to even be addressed, mm -hmm. it didn't cross my mind. But like, it was because they reached out that I was like, oh, this is something that like the youth, this is something relatively easy that we could address and change too. Like it's not even a big deal for city government, but it's been a big deal for this person. And adding on to Hayden's point from early, I think City Hall is actually like pretty youth friendly. Yeah. Um, because I know Ewan was talking about like, you know, running into City Hall at 5 p.m. Yeah. And, you know, I have like multiple occasions where I'm like running down trying to get to the bathroom in City Hall and like an elected official will just like pass by me or I'm like holding a big bag of snacks. And, you know, and I think professionalism is important but like like Hayden was saying it's important to speak your truth and it's important to just be yourself because right. well coming into City Hall I 
I didn't know anything about city politics. All I knew was that like, I cared about these organizations. I cared about all of these issues and I, and I wanted to make a difference. And you know, people here really believed in me regardless of like how professional I was or like yeah. how eloquent I was. And um, you know, they, they've really mentored me and I've, I've come a long way, but it's, it's really important that like a place like this is accessible for youth because you know, people have like literally offered me like professional clothes to, to go to this event. And yeah, they, I mean, they've offered me like opportunities to like speak on panels and like have speeches in front of like crowds of like 200 people. And I'm just like, I'm really in shock that like someone would believe in me when I came into city hall knowing nothing, but that that's what San Francisco city government is. And it's, it's really beautiful actually. Ultimately, everyone in this building is still like a person. I remember the first mm -hmm. time I like met with an elected official, I was like, oh my God, I'm really nervous. Like what if I say something wrong? And I think that they came in and they were like, oh, I'm just really tired from that last meeting. Like, give me a second while I like go get a cup of coffee or something. Mm -hmm. I kind of, I don't, I, this is, you know, but there are, there are moments too where I'm like, oh, you, it really, like, we ultimately are still just students um, who spend most of our days doing, you know, in high school. Um, elected officials are still people who make mistakes and who, um, you know, are doing their best yeah. and who have been entrusted this position by voters, but, also are still people who you can relate to and talk to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like before I would see city government as like like blocks. Like they were like <laughs> machines. But you know, it's it's actually people operating these machines. Like people yeah. are making these decisions. People are writing these documents. And I think like realizing that was so important in understanding like how I can make a voice because like I think a lot of the role in the commission is not it's not research, it's not writing, it's literally just like connecting with people, yeah. right? So understanding that city government is all just people and um, making realizing how important these connections are like really helps you in your work, honestly. Yeah. Well, really, really appreciate you all coming mm -hmm. today. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I learned a lot from you all. Um, please, please always keep, you know, saying your truth, your voice, you know, and also encouraging other youth to share their voice as well. And I, I think always we always think we're we're in good hands right but you know we got to keep fighting the good fight no matter what you know so thank you so much for joining us today Can we plug in thank our you. stuff yeah sure follow Let's... sf youth com yes sf youth com on, on instagram, instagram twitter all of the above check out our we website have facebook we have facebook too oh yeah we do have facebook <laughs> we meet the full youth commission meets every other monday from five to seven yes yeah okay thank you to yeah. sf gov tv as well yeah for thank us you so much yeah, for this thank opportunity. you guys so much thank you Great. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks.